And you are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We have come into the second hour of our show and we are going to get into another clue for the quiz. The second last clue, the second last chance, or the pretty much the last chance today, um, that you will have to get into the quiz, well, into the draw, which will be happening at around 8.45. So what is they, this clue for the quiz? The clue, I am one of the three people the Lord said he sent to lead Israel out of Egypt. Wow. We're narrowing it down now, aren't mm-hmm. we? Definitely. 0491-064-669, who led Israel out of Egypt, one of those three. Also, this person also got leprosy and, you know, had parents named, you know, he had a dad named Jochebed. And Amram. He, Amram. He did, did, did a bunch of things. 0491-064-669. If you answer correctly, your name will go into the draw to win the Conflict of the Ages box set. Probably one of the best commentaries on the Bible that you could read, um, and they'll be all at your fingertips and, you know, amazing, amazing books. But, hey, we've got some text messages to get into, some thoughts from the from the listeners. Uh, let's see what you guys had to say. I think there is a good argument against not even dating before marriage. The biblical model of arranged marriages <laughs> where faith was put in God is a good model. But in today's world, hanging out with someone of the opposite sex alone so often leads to temptation to do things you shouldn't. That's mm. from Braden. What you know, you- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually, you know, this is gonna, this is going to sound strange, but I'm actually kind of a believer in arranged marriages. Now, <laughs> now yeah. Now, now, like arranged, I mean, like you know, not necessarily like the style where Forced. they've never met before and just kind of put together, yeah. but absolutely where parents and godly mentors have input and advice mm. for young couples. I mean, as you pointed out before, I work with young people as a young adults director in the North New South Wales Conference, and uh, actually part of my job, I, I manage a singles spreadsheet. <laughs> that is not part of your job. <laughs> that is, that is, uh, so this is something I, me and Blair are friends, <laughs> known each other for a long time. I am a young person here in the North New South Wales Conference, so I know all about the single spreadsheet, and it is not a part of Blair's job. It is, he has ascribed that onto his job, where he has a spreadsheet that has every name of every single person in this area, in this conference, and he just tries to set them up. Yeah, well, you know, and, and I think, you know, there, there are, there's been a ton of fantastic successes from that. I've got the singles tab, I've got the successes tab, and the, the pending tab. The successes tab have, like, five names of people <laughs> that, like, got together and that, uh, you know, you're claiming. But, but I'll tell you what, though, when <laughs> the, one of the best places to meet a spouse is doing ministry and mission for God. Because Amen. when you're together doing things, like we have summer camps, we have mission trips, we have preaching trips, mm. we run all sorts of events throughout the year. And as we get different young people coming along to serve together and get alongside, it's 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 fascinating. So, yeah, yeah look, I, I resonate with what this gentleman mm. or this person, this listener is mm. sharing. Uh, yeah. there, there's something there, I think. I think, like, what is coming out of this is, like, the problem with context often and the con- the, the problem with, with circumstance and situation. Uh, because it says here, you know, but in today's world, hanging out with someone of the office, opposite sex alone so often leads to temptation. And that's that's your problem. Hanging out with someone from the opposite sex alone. alone. <laughs> um, that is, yes, agree. Like, we can, we can see that clearly, you know, when you're in that courting stage or whatever it may be, there is such need for tact and self-control in that area. And we need to be... Chaperones, chap- you know, yeah. buddies, you know, group dates, all yeah, that sort accountability, of Yeah, accountability, like, yeah, you have opportunity to to make that work. All right, next qu- uh, the next text message here. Church definition of chastity, 12 to 11 from the bishops, the highest leader of the church, say, says it all. 
don't follow the leaders uh, who don't follow. Don't follow leaders who don't follow God. Mm. Praise the Lord for the twelve faithful bishops. Interesting number. Amen. Oh, yeah, hey, interesting. Hey, twelve. Hey. Twelve. It's a biblically significant number, and I really like that theme they're drawing out there as well. You know, it brings the text to mind where Paul says, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Christ. Mm. And so we we only imitate leaders to the extent that they imitate Christ. So praise God for those faithful twelve. Absolutely, <laughs> and the other ones. Um, well, yeah, you know, we, we imitate the 12 faithfuls. Mm, amen. <laughs> uh, I have another text message here. Washing the brain. I'll have some of that, thanks. Better than the COVID chat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, that was talking about how they're injecting uh, this uh, cerebral fluid into mice and it's giving them the ability to overcome, you know, different uh, mental, you know, deformities and losing memory over time in Alzheimer's and diseases. Interesting one here. Um Oh, I've got another text message here. Reconfused sexuality. Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Netflix, Harry Potter, Twilight. The list is mm. endless. And and that is so true. Like, I feel like people only feel enabled to be able to do something like this uh, because people have always had the capacity to do something like this throughout Absolutely. all ages of history. But why are they doing it now? Like, why are people marrying inanimate it's objects? Celebrated. Uh, because it's celebrated. Mm. Because it's seen, uh, it, because it's affirmed. Where previously it hasn't been affirmed, now it is affirmed. Um, just like in the past, like being skinny is affirmed. And so people practice bulimia, you know. You know, I, just very quickly, it's interesting as well that, you know, you know, sometimes people say, why do you treat Christians harp on about sexuality and stuff like that? Why do they make a big deal about it? Well, it's not that it's worse than any other sins or different sins. Totally. But, but it is different in the sense that, and I think this point brings it out. Mm. It's different in the sense that other, other sins aren't celebrated. You know, you go mm. out, there's not that you don't have like a um, murder pride group. Or like, um, or like a thieves pride group and stuff like this. But there, but when it comes to sexuality, there's, there's a, a celebration of deviancy that, you know, uh, it does make it different to deal with. And so this is, I think your point is well made. It, it is a, an issue that is fresh and new yeah. and, and, and difficult to work through. Speaking of murder, pride groups. Um, we actually talked about on, on radio yesterday, a group of people, they call themselves Jane's Revenge, and they are um, uh, attacking and defacing buildings um, and, uh, yeah, attacking people. And they've made a statement that they will not stop. Um, and they're specifically targeting pro-life organizations. Oh, wow. The reason they're called Jane's Revenge is because it's Jane Roe. Jane Roe oh, versus Wade, you know, wow. over that issue, and wow. um, and so and they're they're basically saying if yeah, until the 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 potential of Roe being Wade being uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned is dropped until it is like dropped, we, they're going to wreak continue havoc. to wreak havoc and attack people. So oh wow, yeah, kind of have a bit of a murder pride group there. Well, okay. <laughs> corrected. That's that's, that's <laughs> very interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, wow. Hectic. Um, all right. Uh, next text message here. Boy running in a marathon, child abuse case, family running together. I'm sure the parents love their children more than the authorities, but I see where they're coming from. Yeah. And this is what we said. Yeah, we're absolutely. like, yeah, well, like maybe it's not the best for children that young to be putting in a 42. Like that's, that's pretty gnarly. But at the same time, it's the parents' responsibility to, to look out for them. And, and they absolutely care most for their kids. The, the parents that's are in right. the best position. And in fact, like you can see that they care about their kids because this is a family who exercises and stays healthy together. Like, yeah. I think that's fantastic. Now, if they and I don't like, know the unique situation yeah. of these individuals, yeah. but but certainly as a general rule, parents are best positioned to look after their and, and care for the needs of their young people. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, finally, thanks to the interview with ACL. In reality, it doesn't matter what a party candidate believes. The party whips them their forces. Um, 
the party whip forces them to vote on party lines. Um, could your guest comment, please? Now, uh, we are going to have Wendy on again next week in our Wednesday show, uh, looking up. But um, if I can quickly comment on this, I think the point that they were making is that often people don't. Like, we, we that's what we saw. Like, um, I've brought this up previously about uh, abortion issues in South Australia and and uh, candidates and politicians down there voting in, in opposite lines of what their party actually thinks. Um, and that's what we're talking about as well with uh, regarding the religious discrimination bill here in Australia, that even though it was a liberal bill, there were liberal politicians who weren't doing it. So, yes, I do agree, though. There is pressure um, from the party to to fall into line with, with party politics, but also at the same time, it's a democratic system where you have relative freedom to go and vote in whichever way you want. And so therefore we need to research how those who represent us are voting. Mm. And that's the big, that's the big point of the ACLs campaign. Guys, that has been the text message you have sent us. Thank you so much for giving us um, your different thoughts and, and insights. Right now we are going to be jumping into a Bible study. As we do, and I'm super stoked to have Blair with us this morning. We're going to be studying the Bible. We're going to be looking at uh, the book of Genesis as we've been making our way through in our 20 million movement Bible study, which I should say is up more around a, it's the 20, 24 million movement Bible study after around 24 million people studying the same passages of scripture every single day, which is an incredible blessing. Um, yesterday, we covered the story of Hagar and Ishmael. Well, we covered up to the point where Basically, Hagar falls pregnant and gives birth to a child named Ishmael. And we saw that taking place in very gnarly circumstances. And actually, something you said uh, this morning, Blair, definitely resonates in this story. And it's people taking um, their faithfulness towards God and what God has commanded them you know, doing it in their own way and in their own terms. That's exactly what we see with the story of Hagar and Ishmael. We'll, we'll be covering that now. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Let's pick up the Bible here. Let's um, get into the study. If we pick it up in chapter 16, now we've seen all this take place and we see that Hagar and Ishmael actually flee from Abraham uh, or Abram and Sarai because Sarai, it says here, kind of deals with her servant, uh, which, you know, there's some different implications, but maybe it's like some kind of physical violence, emotional violence, whatever it may be. But there is some kind of discipline that takes place um, because Hagar, as a result of becoming Abram's wife as well and conceiving a child to him, she is kind of putting herself in that position and being like, hey, I'm I'm his wife now. You know, she's gone from Egyptian slave uh, all the way up until, you know, the wife of a very famous and wealthy man. So she's pretty stoked. Uh, but Sarah's definitely feeling the pressure at this point and deals with her servant harshly, uh, the Bible says. We can guess what that is, but in some way, um, she deals with her servant harshly to the point where it says at the end of verse 6 in chapter 16, it says, she fled from her presence. So it's dealing with her harshly enough that she takes off her and her son. Now let's pick it up in verse 7. And Blair, could you read for us from verse 7? Let's read through to verse 10. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. 
so that they shall not be counted for multitude. Wow. Okay, this is this is really interesting because there's, there's a couple couple of key key questions to ask about Hagar and about what the angel has just said. Well, the first one is okay. She's taken off as a result of some domestic dispute. She's in the wilderness, and now this angel rocks up to to protect her and to communicate with her. Um, and this angel comes and tells her to go back, and you know for some reasons. But I have a, I have a question for you, Blair. Um. Was Ishmael the child of promise from God? Was Ishmael originally part of the covenant? Well, we see that no, you know, no. Isaac was, yeah. Well, Isaac would come later. Yeah. Uh, but Ishmael, you know, Abraham, it's made very clear to Abraham that he would conceive through his wife, Sarai. That's that right. would be the child of promise. That's right. This was like a, a man-made alternative. Yeah, that's right. They're like, oh, look, Sarai isn't pumping kids out, and so we'll get... Hagar to 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 get it done. At the same time, uh, I, you know, I've heard people preach on this, uh, and you know, I've read commentaries on this before. It's potential. Potentially, Sarai was thinking, "Oh, well, actually, maybe the problem is with Abraham, and um, you know, we'll just see if his stuff works because you know we're <laughs> it's, we're not working together." So, but then it's very much proved to her that you know his his stuff works, and uh, it's unfortunate for her because you know now she's in this position. Well, they're all in this position, uh, but. Yeah, the answer is no. Like, Ishmael is not the child of promise. Yet, what does the angel say here to this woman? Yeah, it's interesting. Give the blessing for that child, Ishmael, also. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and says very similarly to, to Abraham and Isaac that would come later, this, pr- this um, blessing of, you know, multiplying descendants exceedingly, and they shall not be cult- counted. Uh, it says here, so that they shall not be counted for the multitude. So basically making a specific and distinct people group um, that will go on to live. Now, this would be through Abraham. People would say, oh, that's the the, the Muslim people or the Islamic people. Uh, no, Islam didn't exist until thousands and thousands of years after this. Whereas, you know, um, the Israelites very much existed very quickly after this because that was specifically them. Now, the people who came from Ishmael's line were the Ara- Arabian people, the Arabic the race of the Arabians, the the race of the Arabic people from which Islam came from um, and exists to this day in around the 6th century AD. But right now uh, we are seeing, you know, this story take place that this promise is also transplanted onto Ishmael as well. And then they start to talk about this. Do you want to read for us verse 11 and 12? And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall name, you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Mm. So it kind of gives us some insight into her situation. She is a pregnant woman, um, you know, hiding out in the wilderness, very, you know, very much struggling. Um, but she'll bear a son, you know, and the angel of the Lord is telling her what his name should be. Um, so very direct. That really takes um, makes it a lot easier. I've recently had a child, and the child naming process is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. You go through all the lists of names, trying mm. to whittle it down to your favorite one. But I would love this. You know, the angel God just, comes. God just, this is the one. This is this is what's up. <laughs> uh. Now, I believe like this just shows us so expressly. Um, that God was taking notice here of Hagar. 
God was working within her situation and God knew like, okay, this is, this is a, this is a terrible situation that has come upon this woman as a result of my servant's unfaithfulness. Originally back in the beginning, the fact that the fact that Hagar is with Abraham and Sarai and their group at all is because of Abraham's unfaithfulness in mm. going into Egypt. Mm. And now they've displayed unfaithfulness again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, you know, um, uh, Sarai's like, yeah, you should go and, and be with Hagar to conceive a child. And what we don't see Abram saying is like, oh, far be it from me to go and sleep with another woman because that's breaking God's commandments. No, he's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, oh, this is the a, flesh rises up. That's right. It's a terrible situation. Like, talk about a bad witness to people who maybe don't know God. Like, Hagar is an Egyptian servant, like one step above a slave. Talk about a terrible witness to this woman. Um, being hurt so directly and expressly by people who represent God. But God comes to this woman at this time and gives her incredible promises about her, her descendants, her future, um, all these things like God is going to, going to be working in her life um, and in the life of her descendants as well, which is fantastic. Um, And then let's read uh, 13 to 16. We'll close out this chapter. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abraham, Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Mm, okay, so we can see here 86-year-old Abram. They're getting, getting it done quite late. Uh, but ultimately, they have this son. She comes back, and they can they continue on with life from here. Now, there wouldn't be no consequences for this situation. There wouldn't be you know nothing going on from here. They're, they're, there has to be something that takes place because... Abraham has definitely stepped out of the lines of the covenant that he had made with God out of, you know, faithfulness and out of step with God. Like he was not uh, walking in the way that God wanted him to walk. And there needed to be some way of accountability, some way of reminder, some way of promise um, that Abraham and his people from this point, you know, and his descendants from this point forward would walk in God's ways. God needs to come up with some kind of solution um, to keep these guys accountable and reminded to to the promise um, going forward. And he comes up with that in the next chapter. Um, but before we continue uh, into Genesis chapter 17, let's go to the book of Romans. Let's go to the book of Romans. We went to the book of Galatians yesterday to talk about, you know, how Galatians comments on uh, what's taking place in the book of Genesis. Let's go to the book of Romans. I'm going to go to chapter 4. So Romans chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 11. So, Blair, if you could read that for us, that would be awesome. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Okay. Interesting passage here and talking about the next step of of Abraham's journey, the very significant um, history-changing step, uh, because from this point forward, uh, Abraham and his descendants uh, would go through the experience of circumcision to remind them of this very event taking place. Um, now, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 11, it calls circumcision a sign and a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. 
So he's circumcised to commemorate the faith that he had while uncircumcised. Mm. The question is to me, like, why does this need to come into place? Why is it that he now, now needs to be reminded of the faith that he had while uncircumcised? And what takes place in this story? Well, we're going to get back into it in another section of our encounter with God. Our You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we have one last and final clue for the quiz. Here it is, Lawson. This person, who am I? I spoke against Moses, my brother, because he married a Cushite. Oh. She wasn't, wasn't happy with uh, Moses' choice of spouse. Mm. Wow. So this person... We've narrowed it down. To, well, it's one of three, and now yes. it's one of one. So <laughs> yeah. if it's, it's one of three, but now it's a woman, so it's it's one of one. So 0491-064-669. Well, potentially, it could be... It could be, uh, could be a man. Could be a man. Could be a woman. Uh, there's, you know, there's a couple of siblings of, of Moses. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. If you have the correct answer, you will go. You, this is the final chance to get into the draw to win our prize this morning. Our conflict of the the ages companion box set, a commentary that goes right from the beginning of Genesis to the end of time, the end of Revelation. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Now we're going to get back into our story. Um, talking about and considering circumcision as a sign. Uh, we're going to get into how this is implemented. But it's interesting that it's called here. He receives a sign of circumcision in, in, in Romans chapter 4 and mm. verse 11 as a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while he was still uncircumcised. So Abraham, he practices faithfulness to God, you know, in a couple of different ways. Mm. He he leaves earth. Uh, um, he, you know, lets um, lets Lot take the good land, and he's willing to, you know, follow the Lord into Canaan. Um, he saves Lot from, you know, the uh, the the attack of the Edomites and Chedorlaomer and whatnot. He saves him from Sodom, all these different things. Um, but during that time, he also practices unfaithfulness. Mm. Uh, we looked at the story of Egypt, and now looking at this this story of Hagar and Ishmael. He practices unfaithfulness, and because of that, a sign is going to be given to him to remind him of the faithfulness which he practiced while he was still, um, you know, while he was while he was uncircumcised. Um, and so we've we've kind of had an idea of that faithfulness. And my question is, though, how does circumcision enable Abraham to be faithful to God from this point forward? Yeah, it's interesting, hey, because the, the sign that is provided is that sign of circumcision, which, as you pointed out in Romans, is, you know, uh, that he had that faith that he had before. And, of course, we've seen in those stories yep. that it's up and down and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but in many ways, the uh, the act of circumcision, why is this a fitting symbol mm-hmm. of this sign of the covenant? And, you know, um, I mean, one of the things that immediately is obvious is that circumcision or the rite of circumcision involves the shedding of blood. Mm. Uh, This process is um, quite an uncomfortable process. Yeah, that's right, (laughs) especially in the ancient world. Well, that's uh, right. Especially for a man who is 85 years old. That's right. You know, is it on a rock? Um, You know, is like, (laughs) like, like it's, you're talking rudimentary tools mm. here um, and probably we can move on before spending too much yeah. time thinking about this but but the point is that this shedding of blood uh, 
it can be understood, you know, th- this brings to mind mm. the, the context of the sacrificial system mm. in the uh, in, in the system that God set up, which mm. pointed forward to that sacrifice that Christ would make ultimately mm. uh, that imputes and imparts righteousness to believers. Mm. And so even before, um, while we were yet sinners, the New Testament tells us Christ died for us mm. and Christ loved, we loved because he first loved us. And mm. so everything that Abraham uh, this this covenant sign of circumcision harkens back to that covenant promise that was given in Genesis 15 and that 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 faith that he developed in God um, and that imputed and imparted righteousness of Christ mm. offered to him prior to this point, but now being, um, I guess, commemorated or, mm. or recognized in, a, mm. in the mm-hmm. ceremony or the rite of circumcision. Mm. Well, let's see how it takes place. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17 and we'll see when the Lord appears to Abraham to communicate about this. Um, let's read from verse 1. Um, oh, they get into the circumcision in verse 11, but maybe let's just read for now uh, verse maybe 1 to 6, if you could get that for us. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Awesome. Awesome. So God comes to him and he says, you now change your name to Abraham for what reason? Yeah, he um, he had been faithful. Yeah. Uh, well, how do you mean faithful? Because what is the express reason? Like, what does Abraham mean versus Abram? I've made you a father of many nations. Of many nations. Because now there will be multiple nations coming from Abram's line. He gets upgraded. You know, it's interesting. A lot of Bible characters get name changes, uh-huh. don't they? And these name changes communicate in them meaning. Uh-huh. You know, and, and the transformation. So Abram is being promised here to be a father of many nations. Yeah. But but think about it. How did that come about? Through unfaithfulness. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Through unfaithfulness. Yeah. God responds to that unfaithfulness with faithfulness. Um, Our and unfaithfulness doesn't limit God's promises. That's right. And so from this point forward, he becomes a father of many nations. And it says that his covenant, it would be, you know, everlasting and his descendants would grow and, and all these different things. Now... We come to, let's read verse 10 and 11, because I feel like this is, this is the part about circumcisions really important to have a look at. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me mm. and you. Um, and you want to read verse 12 for us as well. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generation, and he who is born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. Mm. Okay, so this law of circumcision comes and it is applied to everyone who is a part of the Abrahamic nation from this point forward. You know, that would then go to, you know, Isaac and then Jacob, Israel, these kinds of things. From this point forward, their descendants would experience uh, circumcision. Now think about this. I'm sure they were pleased about that. (laughs) Like, well, 
Eight days old, they can't really remember it. And well, there's actually true. some uh, amazing uh, science and research that has been done to show, like, the there's, like, a biological process that takes place when, when babies are eight days old where they have this, like, huge increase of, like, protein activity and, and these kinds of things that actually protects them while they're being circumcised. And Interesting. So, and so they, they circumcise children... Um, you know, a lot of children are eight days old, even even till this even till this day. Um, but in this story, what we're seeing here, okay, so Abraham becomes the father of nations. How does he do that? Through unfaithfulness. And what was his unfaithfulness over? The fact as to whether he could have a kid or not. Like that was that was the question. Like, okay, God has promised me this. I should be faithful to him. But you do unfaithfulness to God's promises. He then goes and does something else to to try and make that take place, but it is not God's way. It's not God's direction, and and as a result, he brings another child into the world, Ishmael, that God blesses. And you know, through Ishmael, you know, there is a line then uh, through him. But ultimately, it's a result of unfaithfulness. And the the thing that prompted that unfaithfulness is, will I be able to have a child? That that was the question. Will I be able to have a child? Now, if you believe God's promises, the answer is yes. But in a brief moment, they didn't believe God's promises, and the answer was no. There's so many lessons in this. You know, you've got you've got the whole idea that we need to trust God. Mm. Like, you know, instead of trying to take situations into our own hands, mm. as we're so prone to do, mm. we need to trust God's word will be fulfilled, whether or not we see mm. evidence of that happening. And you know, in this story, you know, you see just a bit further on them laughing. Um, when God promises to give a child through elderly Sarai. Mm. And, um, you know, because they're like, how's that possible? Yeah. <laughs> how's that possible? You know, and, and it doesn't seem like it's possible. But God is the God of impossibility. Mm-hmm. And he fulfills his word regardless of what things look like. And we just need to trust that. So often we try to meddle, mm-hmm. bring our own, you know, our own ways of doing things. And when Abram tried to do that, he stuffed it up. And now think about this. He, he stuffs it up, right? He was faithful to God's promise for, you know, a number of years and a period of time. And then he does unfaithfulness. And as a response, you know, this is a sign that is given to prove the unfaithfulness of Abraham while he was uncircumcised. They're circumcised now and it'll prove that God is faithful. Okay. The question is, the thing that they're unfaithful over, could Abraham have children? And, and because of that fact, they went and performed, you know, an unfaithful act. Okay. Now... We know because we know that the son of promise eventually comes. Mm. But before that, <laughs> Abram is going to mutilate the instrument in which would allow that to happen. Yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty wild thing. God God's giving quite a clear message in his isn't he? Trust in me. That's right. Even when you, so it humanly looks like it's impossible. That's right. He's like, okay, so 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 God is like, okay, Abram, you thought this wouldn't take place, so you took things in your own hands and you made a big mistake. Okay, I'm going to prove to you even more that let's, let's that cut I can off work. The, the so, end of the thing that's yeah. Gonna make so this so happen. that's right. That's right. Basically, the yeah, the instrument in which you would come through. Um, Abram, you are going to mutilate that, and then still you'll have a child. Like if we're like, he's sending a clear message. Exactly, uh, he is showing Abram, you are faithful to me for a point, but then when things came un- inconvenient, inconvenient for you, you decided to take things even into your own hand. I'm going to make this even more difficult to- for you, um, and you're going to learn. You're going to learn to be faithful through all these circumstances because it's going to be more difficult for this to pl- take place. You and your descendants from this point forward. 
Um, but still, your descendants will be many, and the promise of God will come through you. Because ultimately, what is the promise of God here? Why is the what is the purpose of Abraham bringing descendants into the world? And this is what we said when we kind of first were introduced to Abraham in chapter twelve, and that is that through Abraham, the Messiah, the Savior of the earth, would come. Mm. Do you think God is going to be unfaithful to a promise like that? Absolutely not. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If if God says that Abraham is going to have a child that's going to bring forth the Messiah into the world eventually, you know, through his descendants, God is going to make it happen. For a promise, that, like this is the single most important promise. This is the single most important mission that God has ever had. And that is like the point of the Bible. You know, this is something that we've been discussing as we're looking at the book of Genesis the book of the Bible is such a tiny book for a book that covers the entire history of the world, and that is because it is highlighting and covering how it is that God brings the Messiah into the world. And a promise that is so special, that is so important, God's ability to save the world is so important. Um, that yeah, of course, through of course through ninety nine, one hundred year old Abraham, as he is at that age at this time, of course he can bring, you know, his descendants. Even even if you know he goes through circumcision at that age, at an age in which if like if a ninety nine year old today went through like a, a circumcision without anesthesia, like that is something that would lead them to die. Like mm. literally, they, it would be so painful they'd pass out and die. Um, but he this is in the ancient world, and he's saying no, this this will happen. You'll survive. You'll be saved, and you'll still bring a descendant into the world. Mm. This is his promise, and he's going to make it happen. Yeah, and I think, you know, God's Word is... Uh, the, the big message for me from this this little section of Scripture is that God's Word can be trusted yes. and we shouldn't meddle mm-hmm. because our attempts to meddle... I mean, well, the, the good side of that is that even in our attempts to meddle, when we try to fulfill God's plan through our own methods and we stuff it up, even still God will make his purpose come. He's, he's <laughs> merciful. He's merciful. But, but how much better if we just follow God's plan A? Mm-hmm. Amen. And so, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, circumcision is the result of, you know, plan B uh, for him and his descendants from this point forward, which is, it also makes it very clear why circumcision isn't a requirement today, because this was before the descendants to, to give this very message. Um, it was all about, you know, could they continue to have descendants? And the answer is yes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right now, it is time for Question of the Day. All right, Blair, what's our question of the day? The question today, Lawson, is should Christians vote? Quite a topical question given the interviews that we've had today and the discussions. So what do you say? Should Christians vote? Um, Yes. All right, is, is that it? Is that it? <laughs> I think you know the question. It, it reflects like how involved should Christians be in politics? That's right. Because definitely, um, we can look uh, both biblically and prophetically, and historically, and as well, and we can see the pitfalls of the combination of church and state. Um, when church and state come together, it always leads to persecution of and oppression of people who don't hold those certain beliefs, and that has been persecuted, uh, perpetrated. Sorry. By Christians many times, mm. like the entirety of the Dark Ages. Like that is literally the Dark Ages is marred by the church being controlled and influenced by the state and vice versa. And as a result, people being persecuted. So that that is terrible. But then it's like, oh, should we be so far removed from politics um, that 
we just don't even vote. We don't even care mm. what's going on. And honestly, as a Christian, sometimes it, it can feel like that. Um, because like there are many times where I've looked at the ballot, I've, I've looked at the different parties and I'm like, you know, it's, it's not true. You know, I think a common Australian view is, oh, both parties are the same and they're corrupt. No, that's not true. Like one party stands for something, another party stands for something else. You know, they both like, they both have something to say and either party, if it gets in, can very heavily influence our nation in different ways. Mm. Um, but it's so difficult as a Christian because it's like, man, neither of these parties actually agree with me. Mm. Neither of them do. Um, I just got some texts I want to read that I think, you know, adjacently and through if- inference as well. It talks about our dealings with government. I think gives us some kind of an answer. Um, if you jump into Romans chapter 13, it says, Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Um, now, it goes on to kind of stipulate as well. So it says here, be in submission to government authority. But then it goes on to stipulate, you know, as it's as it's in line with our faith. Um, you know, if the government comes out and says, um, you are not allowed to pray anymore, well, we see very clear, um, well, we actually see that taking place here wow, in Australia absolutely. and some places. <laughs> um, but we see very clearly in the Bible um, that we should rebel. I think the, the story of um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defines that best. You know, they mm. were blessed. They were literally saved from death, and Jesus was standing with them when they stood for following God, which is which is incredible. Mm. But at the same time, we are to be subject to these authorities. Now, when you live in a monarchy, which many kingdoms were like at this time, you have absolutely no say. That's right. Um, in that, you know, and so God is obviously, it says God appoints them. God is working through um, those circumstances to, you know, bring leaders to power that then, you know, those leaders have their own freedom of choice. They can either have much potential to do good or much potential to do bad. Um, but the system in which we live in here in Australia is a democratic one. Democracy. It, where we have a say. And so, therefore, if we believe this promise that those leaders are appointed by God and we have the opportunity to vote for those leaders and to be led by the Holy Spirit and by God to vote for those leaders. Why not be a part of that? That's right. Why not? If they're appointed by God and in a, in, a, in Australia we have a system where it's the public who chooses, then we are ultimately a part of God's plan in bringing leaders into power. You know, it's interesting. One of the kickbacks I've heard against why Christians shouldn't vote is to people say, oh, you know, we shouldn't force our Christian views on other people. Mm. But I think the really important distinction to make is the difference between the two tablets of stone in the Ten Commandments. You've got the yeah. first four legislating how we worship God, mm-hmm. and then the last six legislating how we deal with others. Mm-hmm. And the last six are the legitimate domain of earthly governments. Yeah. You know, it's I, I think people often say that as well from the perspective that then it's like, because legislation and evangelism are two different things. That's right. We absolutely should be showing people our views of the world. <laughs> like, is it forcing them to, to adhere to it by legislation? No. But we should be promoting what totally. we believe. That is literally our job. That absolutely. is like the number one goal that God has given to us to the world because God wants people to be saved. And if we can, you know, cast a vote for a politician that we think will be the best for our country and will specifically give us opportunity to share what God believes, you know, what God wants us to share with the world, then we should vote for them. We have that say. We get to vote. Blair, thank you for coming in this morning and spending time with us. And guys, we want to remind you to spend time with Jesus. And as you go through this day, to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.